appreciate everybody being here this morning and um, on a cold Texas morning. Um, the title of my lesson here is called Faithful to the Plan, and um, I'll open with a word of prayer. Father, we just come to you this morning grateful that we can be in your house together to to talk about you and to serve you and father we just ask that you would just open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have for us throughout this day father i just pray that you would um that your um, anointing would, would be upon us and we just give you praise and glory in jesus name amen. amen so the the title of this lesson is faithful to the plan and some of you may have heard the expression, um, or maybe you've read it many times over the past couple of years, the expression, trust the plan. And um, for a while I was listening to and reading different things where after a while I just had to stop because it was just making me crazy. <laughs> and um, and, and I, when I started to study this lesson, I thought about that and and uh, I thought about, um, you know, how, how that while there's hope um, for a better tomorrow, our hope and our trust are not in the plan of man. And David said in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So today... Um, we're going to talk about the plan that, that we are all committed to. And, of course, that's the plan of God's restoration and the message of the saints. And, um, and we are living out the plan. So the first thing that you see on your handout um, says 400 years of silence. And for us, that's hard to comprehend, but did you know that 400 years ago, Galileo proved the planets orbit around the sun. And through the use of his telescope with observations of the phases of Venus, he was able to prove that, that, um, that the planets orbit the sun. And also, did you know that 400 years ago, Manhattan was purchased by the Dutch for $24. And I found this part of history a little bit comical because, <coughs> as the story goes, um, unbeknownst to the Dutchman who made the deal with the uh, with the American Indians who were there um, with with the tribe, unbeknownst to him, um, this tribe had no claim on the land, and so the tribe who actually owned the land later when they found out that this deal had been made, you know, of course that caused a few uh, skirmishes between the Dutchmen and, and the Indians who actually owned the land. And because the, the Indians who they bought it from were just passing through. And so they just thought, hey, we can make some money here. And I just think that's kind of funny if that's <laughs> really what happened. But um, so needless to say, between the Dutch and, and the the Indians who actually owned that land, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of battles took place. And um, 
Something else that occurred 400 years ago is the Taj Mahal was built in India. And so um, <coughs> those are just a little bit of, uh, that's just a little bit of trivia. But as difficult as it is for us to comprehend 400 years, the Bible tells us that this is how long God's people waited to hear him speak. At the end of the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophet Malachi, and then there was nothing for 400 years. God was silent. And it's hard to imagine such a long time, unless you're Methuselah, but, um, and it's hard to imagine, though, especially for a people who had seen God's miracles firsthand. And during the years, or the 400 years of silence, um, all call, also called intertestamental period, God was active in world history observing as major political and military events occurred as he predicted in the book of Daniel. So during this time, the nation of Greece came to power and was conquered by Rome. And God had predicted this, and he was fulfilling prophecy. So now it was the countdown to the time of the coming of Messiah. The nation of Israel was undergoing change. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes came to positions of influence. Israel uh, was looking for the Messiah, and the stage was set for Jesus to come. 400 years is a long time, and but not to hear from God for that long a time is really unimaginable to us. And, um, you know, I'm sure that we've all experienced times where it seemed like God was silent on what we were facing or what we were going through. And it's times like those that we're tempted to take matters into our own hands, only worsening the outcome, or even worse, some walking away altogether uh, from, from the call of God. And waiting really reminds us of who is ultimately in control, and he prepares us for what is next. I'm going to have to take a drink here. So waiting reminds us of who is ultimately in control, and it prepares us for what is next. And I want to give a brief testimony about the faithfulness of God, um, who has control over every situation that we encounter. And I know that I'm not the only one facing job challenges because of the attempted enforcing of the current mandate. But over the past several months, uh, when I was up against a deadline to either comply or lose my job, um, God intervened, and it was obvious, very obvious. <laughs> and there were at least three times that it happened, and, um, and, it, and it was always like the day before, the day before that I was either going to lose my job or... Um, or be put on unpaid leave, God moved on my behalf. And uh, 
it was to the point that only he could save my job. And one intervention came through our governor here in Texas, and it was at 4.30 p.m. the day before I was going to be terminated. And, I mean, my, my back was against the wall, and there was absolutely nothing that I could do, nothing. And earlier that afternoon, I was, when I realized my back was against the wall and there was no way out, I, I, I just put my head down on my desk because I was working remotely so I could do that. And I put my head down on my desk and I said, God, there's nothing that I can do. And tears just started to come. But then almost immediately, the tears started to come and almost immediately this peace just overwhelmed me. And I thought, okay, all is, all is good. And whatever happens, happens. And the Lord knows. And so then that evening, it was some t sometime around 5.30 or so, I got a message from a friend, and she had sent me Governor Abbott's just-issued executive order prohibiting the mandate. And only God could do that. Amen. Only God. And the other two interventions were just as miraculous. So God is very aware of where we are. He knows what's going on with the world and with you and with me and he is in control no matter what it looks like he is in control and i know that right now the appeals court has said yes they can force this but now it's in the supreme court so we'll see but regardless of the outcome of their decisions god is in control Amen. and that is where my faith lies um, but back to the waiting and being prepared for what is next. This is where we find Simeon in Luke 2. And Simeon was a great man of faith. And he suffered the oppression of God's people. And I imagine that he heard over and over how God had abandoned and forgotten them. And I'm sure that he witnessed many people fall away um, in hopelessness and despair. You know, we've heard over the years, you know, we don't see what God's doing. You know, we're going to go this direction or that direction. But God is in control, and he is working. And um, But Simeon, however, clung to the promises of God. And one of the first people, he was one of the first people to hold the Messiah in his arms, experiencing firsthand the promise of God revealed. Luke 2, 25 and 26 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now, Simeon's name means hearkening or to hear. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting here is our word prostekomai, meaning to accept favorably, and by a deliberate and ready reception of what is offered. And so I see a parallel here between Simeon and the saints. <clears throat> it was revealed to Simeon by the Holy Ghost that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, and he, <coughs> he waited for that promise, he accepted favorably what God had promised, 
with a deliberate and ready reception of the consolation of Israel. He was committed to being configured with the plan of God. God's Holy Spirit revealed to us the message of the saints, and we accepted favorably and by a deliberate and ready reception what God offered to, to us to align with him to accomplish his eternal purpose. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, Simeon, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Messiah. This was the promise that God had made. And there are things that the Lord has revealed to us that we will see. Some of those things we've already seen and we are seeing uh, as other nations join the, the saints. Um, and we will continue to see his plan and purpose revealed as we are faithful and obedient to wait on him. You know, the world today um, is in, in such a, a state, and it seems that something else that God has seemingly been quiet on is the events that are occurring around our world today. And for the past couple of years, it's like he's been quiet on world events because you, you look and you listen to the news um, and you just hear and see that evil is rampant it's running rampant and but like Simeon we cling to the promises that God has given us as saints and sons no matter what it looks like in the world what we see God is observing what is going on in the world today and prophecy continues to be to be fulfilled because we know that the world has to to get into such a state um, where it is time for the Lord's return. So we can trust that um, prophecy is still being fulfilled and God is still in control. Um, I want to share a dream I had a while back, and it was actually a two-part dream, and one of them occurred at the end of September and the other in early October, and both were in the wee hours of a Saturday morning. And in the first dream, <clears throat> just before I awoke, um, I was dreaming this, that the saints were gather, gathered on a precipice of a, a vast expanse. And we were all crowded together. And the scene reminded me a, a bit of the Israelites standing at the Red Sea waiting for the waters to part and for God to deliver them. And that, that's what the scene reminded me of. And my view was from above and behind, so I'm watching all of, I'm, I'm watching this scene, and on the far left side of, of, of us was Abraham. And he was, he was several stories tall. And maybe that's because he's a friend of the Most High. <laughs> but he was several stories tall. He was huge. And um, he had his left arm outstretched over the vast expanse. And we were all right here. And he, he, was, he was doing this. And uh, when I 
awoke, my, the, the thought that was running through my mind was the father of many nations. And we know that Abraham was the father of many nations, and our calling is to the nations. And um, with his left arm outstretched over the vast expanse, it, it was as if he was showing us the nations. It was like he was saying, okay, you know, these are the nations that have come from me. These are my seed, and you're responsible for going out and, and bringing them in. And um, so I want to take a look at Abraham first. We're going to look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, but taking a look at Abraham, Abraham viewed the future by faith. Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 8 uh, through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in, the, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then verse 13, I failed to put on your sheet, um, and I had already sent it to Scott. But Hebrews 11:13, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So by faith, Abraham was obedient in his earthly sojourn. He traveled through life on earth as a stranger, and he and his family were promised the land flowing with milk and honey, but they all died in faith, not having received the promises. They did not personally possess the promised land, yet they lived with a sense of guarantee that God would fulfill his promise. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them and embraced them. Abraham trusted God to lead him about as one who was in the world but not of it. He fully accepted that the Lord would someday give that land to his seed. We are that seed. And the Lord is giving us the land. We are the seed. And... Um, we have partnered with the Father. We, we've come alongside him in taking the land. And they, Abraham, they lived as strangers concerning this world and pilgrims anticipating the world to come. And their hearts yearned for a true, lasting, eternal homeland. Hebrews 11, 15, and 16. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country, that is, unheavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Abraham had tests and trials in his pilgrimage with the Lord. If he had set his attention on the country he forsook, he might have been tempted to return there and You know, we, if we're honest, we, we would say that 
you know, especially in the, not the very beginning, but after time went on and um, we were becoming a little weary, you know, if we're honest, we would say, we would kind of look back and say, oh, it was so much easier then, but I wouldn't change anything. And I wouldn't change anything to go back to what we were before the Lord called us as saints. And, um, but then Paul speaking in 2 Timothy 4.10 says, Demas hath, hath forsa- has forsaken me, Paul, having loved this present world. And then Peter, um, in 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Our desire is to be, or our desire should be, and it is, the priority of our Heavenly Father. So I, or Abraham viewed, uh, viewed the future by faith. So before um, I move on to Isaac, does anybody have any comments? going back to your dream mm-hmm. when when you saw us standing at the precipice it, what you described is like the Red Sea right as what the sea like the Red Sea that needed to be parted yes the 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 picture I was seeing was not a sea it was just a vast expanse but I but in the dream I was I thought it re, or it reminded me in the dream of Moses being up against that sea, nowhere to go, waiting on God's deliverance. Because it's just interesting to me to think about, you know, taking the nations and where God has brought us, and the reality that that we we do find ourselves in that place where we desperately need Him to part the waters. Mm-hmm. But do, do you think that the Israelites thought that's what was going to happen? I mean, is there anything that indicates that? Thus says the Lord, Moses is going to stick his rod in there and the waters are going to part. I mean, was that just like this creative miracle that just happened before their very eyes? So I guess I just, it's just interesting to me to think that God's plan and his ways for us is so creative. And I mean, that would have blown me away Mm -hmm. to see something like that happen. And then to see the waters like cover the enemy. And, and destroy the enemy behind us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that going forward, I think we need to, I, I don't know, I guess just prophetically recognize where we are and maybe discern um, and be expectant, I guess, mm-hmm. for, for the path to be made clear, clear for us to go through and to go into those nations. I don't know, I just find it very interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Picture. And, and the second dream... Um, as you know, because I submitted it to you, um, the second dream, we were still there on that same vast expanse, but we had been through the battle and we were standing victorious. So God had parted the sea for us, you know, to go through. Um, not in the dream, but that was the sense, you know. In the second dream, He He made the way. We we had been battling. It was obvious we had been battling, but we were standing victorious in that second dream. And um, and you know, I think too about you know the two significant times when God saved the children of Israel. One was with the blood, 
you know, with the death angel and the blood, mm -hmm. um, which really indicates salvation. And then the second time was with the water there at the Red Sea, which in a lot of ways where we are, you know, stepping into this year of the saints could, you know, the washing of the water, I mean, it, it, it destroyed the enemy behind them, mm -hmm. could represent just our sanctification or our walk as saints in some way. And I don't know, I, I guess I just, I'm thinking, you know, Lord, what is the Red Sea that's before us that would hinder us from going in and reaching out? And how do we <coughs> believe you for the deliverance through it? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, this is our pathway, right? Right. Yeah. And, it, and it, you know, it may be, that may be revealed right at the moment we need it, you know, right as the Israelites needed that that miracle, that breakthrough, God parted the waters. Do you think they hustled? Hmm? Do you think they hustled? As, as well as, as the three million people can. <laughs> you know, as well as, I mean, how do you think they did that? Huh? With oxen and donkeys and, and children and old yeah, people. Yeah, okay, okay, guys, let's go. <laughs> let's hurry. It must have been hours and hours and hours. Well, yeah, think about the guys days. at the back. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, can you imagine the guys at the back? It's like, man. Oh, my God. Am oh I going to make it through? <laughs> I know. I think they had to take them days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. think it happened in a split Well, in the movie, moment. it kind of did, but. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what that speaks to me, though, is that I, I think What's that. We need to be like Moses, not like the children of Israel, because they were doubting and complaining. And, you know, Moses, what have you done? You brought us this place. We're about to be destroyed. Why did we come with you? That sort of thing. But we have to be like Moses, where you just you just keep moving until you can't move anymore, and then you wait for God to tell you your instruction. Mm -hmm. And that obedience brings whatever. And he, I don't know that Moses even knew. Mm -hmm. No. Well, I don't think so, happen. did. I don't think Moses He's knew. He's probably thinking, what the heck? You brought us all the way here. <laughs> and so that's the thing we have to expect is that it's going to happen the way that God wants it to happen. We have to be like Moses and just continue taking those steps forward, even to the point of the blockage where we can't go forward anymore. And then we stand there to see the salvation of the Lord. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's how it was over the past four months for me and my job. I mean, that, that day that they told me, they said, you comply or tomorrow is your last day. And, um, and I mean, I just, I said, God, I, there's nothing I can do. It's out of my control. And um, and then just a couple hours later, I get this. The sea was parted. The seas were parted. <laughs> I guess it, you know, it just comes down to believing in the faithfulness of the plan. I mean, just believing in his plan, regardless of what it looks like and how many obstacles we, we face. Mm -hmm. His plan is perfect. Well, too, we always think the salvation needs to come yesterday. Yeah. You know, in our mind, he's he's always late. He's all you know. He's always at the ninth hour or the the eleventh hour or what they call it, the midnight hour. I don't know. I don't know what that phrase is. Someone remind me. The eleventh hour. But you think or the ninth, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the eleventh hour. But um, you know, and so I feel like that's what that's kind of where we've been in this pandemic scenario mm -hmm. you know we truly are just waiting because you know we we cannot yeah cause any changes ourselves and it does feel like god is you know we're all all this time god we could be really working and doing stuff for you and you know we could really be working 
you know, to, to, to sow these seeds and blah, 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 blah. You know, we want to do these good works. We're doing it for you, Lord. And he's like, you know, you can you can toil and work and do all these things, and it, you would be doing all that, but or you could just do it when I say it, and it happens like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in his timing, in his way, we will see cities converted. I mean, that's what is promised. Yeah, once you think about, I mean, if Abraham was the father of all who walk in faith, you think about, it's, it's much more important to God that our faith is being worked. Our faith is being strengthened where we are, standing there waiting for him to move and deliver and because he knows what's going to so happen next he knows <laughs> yeah and it's just so much more important that process to him than because abraham i mean it's a significant part of the vision mm -hmm. right and yeah i mean goodness have we not been there like let's see at the right hand and let's see what god is doing and let's respond yeah. in that way i mean he is definitely honing our our faith well honing our gifts in this walk of faith. So, it's good. He's working that patience. Yeah. So. Thank you guys for your comments. And you know, when that, that first instance where God intervened on my behalf, I mean, you talk about a faith booster. I was like, wow. I mean, 4.30 the day before I was going to be let go. And I was like, wow, God, you did that. I mean, he, only he could do that. And, and there were two other instances, same way, I was up against the clock, and he came through. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you really are in control. <laughs> Even though we believe it, you know, but when it's personal to you, it's like, wow, you see it in your own life. And, I mean, I see it in my life all the time, but so very specific to something you know like that and it was like you know and god truly is in control control he he is still fulfilling prophecy he sees what's going on he's not unaware and um you know we we just need to wait on him like like abraham did we wait on him we're obedient to what he tells us to do or asks us to do and he does the rest and he does what we can't do. And um, I mean, I, I've just been blown away over the past four months of how um, the Lord has just intervened in that situation. And um, so it's, we'll see what the future is. <laughs> but um, so now I want to talk about Isaac. And the example of Isaac occurred in the midst of a dreadful plot by one of his own sons, Jacob. And we know the story. Isaac wanted to uh, pass on a blessing to his oldest son, Esau. And Genesis 27, verses 1 and 4. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, my son, and he said unto him, Behold, here, I am, here am I, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. So Jacob disguised himself and lied to his father to steal the blessing. Um, we all know this story. 
and um, Genesis 27, verses 19 and 23. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, and his brother Esau's hands, as his brother's, his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Although Esau was later given a, a blessing as well, the blessing for Jacob passed on the headship of the, of the family to the younger son. Um, verse 29 says, Let people serve me, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So when, when Isaac learned of the deceit, he let the blessing stand. And, um, and the Lord indicates that this was an act of faith in the purpose of God. He realized that this was God's purpose. And so he, so he let it stand, even though it was, you know, not the way tradition would have it. Um, and then, uh, does anybody have any comments regarding Isaac? I think that's interesting that, that he let the blessing stand. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about our, you know, how we look at things, I was just thinking about, you know, Monica and I and the, and the kids will be driving around, and, you know, you see a homeless guy comes up to you and wants some money. And, you know, so many of us, I can't really speak for anybody else, but I know there was a time in my life where I'm thinking, you know, they're just going to take my money and go buy alcohol or whatever. And the Lord told me in that time that that's not for me to judge. You know, my, my, my duty is to do what he tells me, and if I feel compelled to give to them, then to give to them. And I think about, you know, how, how many would, uh, would give a gift, and then if they watched that person walk across the street and go buy a beer with it, it would change, you know, they would, I, I, I don't know that they would, but I suspect that many people would say, man, I'm not, I'm not giving them any more money, or I'm not going to, you know, I wish I could get that back. Because you know, mm-hmm. they didn't do right with it, but it reinforces uh, my belief, and that is we have to act out of obedience. Just right. The Lord says to do it. All that matters is that we do what He says. What mm-hmm. happens past that point is of no concern to us. Right. I mean, absolutely, there is. There can be no judgment past that point. I mean, like you said, we are our. our we're, we're just to be obedient. Our place is to be obedient. And, and the Lord handles, he works through our obedience. Um, I was, I've learned from Les in that regard because he's so faithful to do that. And so have our kids. I mean, they, but not long ago I was, I pulled into a, a service station to get gas over on Oak Lawn. And I think I was in a hurry. You know, I was just like, and not necessarily in the spirit. <laughs> and um, and I'm standing outside doing my gas, and, and, I, and I, I see somebody walking towards me. And you know how sometimes you have that thought, oh, just please, just don't bother me. I mean, honestly, my humanity. 
And, and when I glanced over, it was a guy. He was filthy dirty, and he was clearly so drugged up. I mean, just out of this world. And he starts walking towards me, and it, I was afraid. And, um, and so I, I let go of the gas thing, and I went and jumped in my car real fast. Right? That's the big. And, and I just sat there, and the Lord spoke to me in my car and said, go give to that man. And so I, I, he said, you give him whatever's in your purse. And I had a $5 bill. That's all I had in my purse, in my wallet. And so I got it out, and, and I, I got out of my car, and he had walked over to the end of the pumps, and he was sitting down, like, facing the other direction. And I was afraid, because, I mean, he was very drugged. And, and I walked over, and I, I tapped him, and he looked up at me with these, just these lost eyes. And I handed him the money. And, and said, God bless you. And I turned around and walked off and jumped back in my car. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and I was just praying, like, Lord, just deliver this man. I mean, I, I was just praying and asking forgiveness for just the way that I had responded. And next thing I know, I, I sat and I, there was a pizza hut right next door to the gas station, and I watched this man walk into that pizza hut and about three minutes later walk out with this little lunch, you know, the little one person pizzas and my heart just I mean I was just like he didn't go buy drugs he went and bought some food and it it, it I mean it was like life changing for me I know I, I cried I did I definitely cried but I mean how quick that we are to make our own assessment and and not be obedient and if we're just quiet before the Lord he'll speak to us and yeah so Yes, Ben. <clears throat> Correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody prompted him to steal the to steal the inheritance. His mother said, "You go do this, and if we get in trouble, it's my, it's, it's my I'll take the blame." But yes. I remember that, that, if I'm remembering the story correctly. Yes. So I, I, I thought about that, and I was like, you know. That's pretty shady. But even through the deceit of others, you were saying about the plan is, is laid out and God knows what he's doing. Even through the deceit of others, Christ, the line of Christ was was laid, right? Isaac and Isaac took the blessing, thus he was the head of the household. He had the money, he had the ability to, to feed for feed his family. That produced Jacob and, and, and everything that happened in Israel and the saving of the Israelites through Jacob and ultimately down to Christ. So I guess where I'm going is that even through deceit and theft, there's still a plan at the end of it. And God can use those things. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 You, you think about, I mean, in the, you read in the you know, first and second Kings, you read about, you know, it's always interesting because it always, each, each passage starts out with, talks to you about the king and then it says you know and he followed the ways of the Lord and then you know then the next king is he didn't follow the ways of his fathers but he was a, a wicked ruler and you read about how I mean the Lord you know Israel and Judah right were separate and Judah for the most part sought the ways of the Lord and Israel was 
sit there and say, oh, you know, we partner with God, and man partners with God. God created man to, to, to partner with. And, you know, all things are made so that his purpose will be fulfilled. I mean, good and evil is used of him to accomplish his purpose. You know, um, and, and, and when Israel was apostate, fallen away, purpose at the end of the stream. Right. You know, even if it splits off. <coughs> you know, uh, and it kind of like gives you a little bit of hope because whether it was your deceitfulness that you did or whether it was the deceitfulness of others that was put upon you, either way it doesn't matter. Doesn't There's matter. a plan that's laid there, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, and you're giving grace and forgiveness. So if it's your sin, well, given for that, and then if it's someone else's sin, well, that God can still use that. Absolutely. You know, the Bible talks about the heart of man is deceit, is uh, evil and wicked things. Yes, is wicked. Yeah, I can't remember. No man knows it. But, uh, yeah, you know, and then again, I mean, Jesus didn't come to heal the, those that were healed. He came to heal the sick. And he came for those that were lost. And he turned that to him. And you're right. I mean, even, I mean, we're all, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the some of us have done things that have really done a lot of damage downstream. But the Lord, you know, he can turn all that. And, uh, I mean, how powerful is the testimony of one person that has fallen away, that's come back? And how powerful can that testimony be to hundreds or thousands of others? Right. You know, because it gives them hope. Oh, my gosh. I mean, if that guy was able to be turned back to the Lord, knowing all the wicked that he had done, then I, there's hope for me. Absolutely uses all of our evil deeds that we've done. We've all done. <coughs> um, so it does give you hope for the future. Great observation. Yes, great observation. <laughs> Thank you guys for your comments. So, you know, regardless of, you know, Isaac let the blessing stand because he's, he knew. He could see God's purpose. I believe he could see God's purpose in it. And so he let it stand because, you know, tradition would say to do it this way. But as we all know, God is not about tradition. And so. If he couldn't see God's will in it, would he have let it stand? He'd already given it. Yeah. You I can't mean, retract what's been given. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I think. Regardless of whether, and I bring this up because it's it's, it's applicable to us. Mm-hmm. He did what he was supposed to do, right? And whether he could see that it was the will or not the will, he did what he was supposed to do, and he, he wasn't going to retract it or change it. Or I mean, he had done what he was supposed to do, right? And that's to me where, for us in our application, that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. Okay, because. Tomorrow may come, tomorrow may not come. Right. All we have is today and the directives that the Lord has given us today. And as long as we do that, as long as we're faithful to do that, that he tells us to do, what happens next is of absolutely no consequence to 
Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and you know, like Ben was saying, once the blessing's given, it's given. Right. You you can't take it back. So, um, but God's purpose and His plan still is still in effect. Um, I don't know where that puts Esau. I don't know where that puts Esau. He was probably pretty jaded. But, yeah. you know. <coughs> um, so, next is Jacob. And the example of Jacob also occurred in an unusual setting. Joseph brought his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to his father for the family blessing. And in Genesis 28, or 48, Verse 10, it says, Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. Joseph had brought Ephraim, the younger son, towards Jacob's left hand, and Manasseh, the firstborn, toward his right hand, where the blessing came from. And But Jacob... Though he couldn't see, he crossed his hands and switching the primary blessing. Um, Verse 18 of Genesis 48, 18 and 19. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become uh, become a people and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. So again, this was an act of faith in the purposes of God on Jacob's part. Um, Even though Jacob couldn't see, he crossed his hands and gave the blessing to the son that God intended. And, you know, um, and t- so the, I guess the, the point of, of these are, um, or the point of these is that these blessings reflected and instituted aspects of God's sovereign plan and in spite of inappropriate scheming and established traditions, um, his plan was carried out. And um, these three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, trusted in and they were faithful to the plan of God. <clears throat> and I close with uh, this. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So despite what is going on in the world today, um, may our allegiance be to our Father as sons here on earth, and may we continue to be faithful to his plan, because he is still fulfilling prophecy. Um, so that is the conclusion of my lesson. Do we have any further comments? We're about 10 minutes early. 
the things Ben mentioned is that Joseph did the same thing. He switched the hand and gave it to the younger, which had been done before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. See, I didn't go that far. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> but, but you, I get these names confused. I, I have trouble keeping the story straight. And Joseph said unto his father, which is Isaac, right? Not so, my father. So really, Isaac did it twice. Is that right? I did not. So in, in Genesis 48, 18-19, it says, And Joseph said unto his father, Not so. Because his father had crossed the hands. And right. His father was Isaac. Jacob. Jacob. What did I say? Jacob. Sorry. Jacob stole it. And then Jacob flipped it. Yes. So he so he replicated what what he did, like he he flipped the inheritance with his brother, and then he flipped it with his grandson too. Yes. The point is, I don't know. Yeah. The blessing, you know, blessings can be given. I don't know, I don't know what that means, but it's, it's interesting that he he did it twice. Anyway. I just think it's important to recognize that God's plan prevails, and that. We don't know if the enemy put it in in um, Jacob's mother's heart to deceive Isaac, because she, and that in order to um, you, you know um, overturn the lineage of Christ by making Jacob you know not knowing that was actually the plan of God. So we don't know if the enemy was contriving in that or if the Lord put that in her heart. I mean, it doesn't say. So we don't know how that happened, but either way, whether it was Jacob or Isaac, the ones who really had the blessing and had the ability to give the blessing, um, I think that the plan of God prevailed, and that is what we need to see, that in both scenarios, mm -hmm. whether complicit or through deception, mm -hmm. God's plan will prevail, and it was his plan all along to use Isaac, Jacob, and then, you know, Joseph, you know how the leaders were supposed to mm -hmm. to follow through, mm -hmm. and so that's where you're going. You're saying right. the faithfulness of the plan of God. He right. will prevail despite what we are doing. Yes. Something pricked my ear as you were speaking. You said you, you don't know if God put it in the mother's heart to be deceptive or the devil did. God wouldn't do that, would He? Well, absolutely. If God knew that the Jacob was to be in lineage, He He would have. He would have tried to. He would have done whatever it took to get Jacob to have the blessing. Absolutely. Yeah, he could. So he could have prompted her. Um, knowing. I don't. I mean, I'm, I, I don't. I don't know anything. I'm. I'm, I'm asking because I want to know this question. This is well, just like he could have put it in Isaac's heart, but he didn't. He put it in, in the wife's heart. But in the second case, he did put it in Jacob's heart. But that's not. The, that's his choice to do. That's not deceptive. He chose to flip the hands and thus assign the assign the blessing to his grandsons differently. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But the way you're the way I, what, what I heard you say was that God would put it in the mother's heart to be deceptive. That implies God would force you to sin. I don't see that. Or will he? For, will he? Like he'll let you sin. You know, there's here's a there's this passage.
Proverbs 16.4, and it says, The Lord has made all things for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of evil. Okay, so, you know, I mean, we could sit there and say, oh, the Lord wouldn't make people wicked. Well, I would say he wouldn't cause you to sin. No, I mean, but, but he's not, well... It's your choice. Like God's not gonna make you sin. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just. Yeah. That's true. been something that's bothered me. I, I don't mean to argue. I'm just wanting to understand that if it's that implies that God would would prompt another person to sin against you, or would He simply use that sin that was against you for His good? There's a difference. You know, because we all have, we all choose to do right or wrong. He, he may, she may, it may have been in her heart to do it, and, but God turned it around for good, for his purpose. Um, because well, he allowed it because it was his he, plan. Yeah, he allowed it because it was his plan, sure. and he allowed it. But, you know, it's the same for us today. You know, we're all um, imperfect vessels, you know, but God will use us. Even if, even if we do what we think, is the right thing it may not be but god will turn it for his good you know if we're following him and we're obedient to his call um you know she she was imperfect and she had a favorite son and it showed and um but god turned it he turned it for the good and um you got to think i mean this has to do with like this maternal want to increase her son in life. Right. She wasn't the only wife. And there were more than one son from all different mothers. And so this is a concept that we don't understand in our society because we're mon monogamous, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that you want your son to exceed over others is that was just the way it was. And mothers and cousins and brothers were cutthroat. They would get, kill each other to, to try and get... And so this was just part of society. So... I don't know. Was it sinful? I don't know. It was, it was deceitful because she put lamb's fur on his arms, you know, and contrived a contrived a to deceive a, a, a scenario yeah. to make it deceive. But but that's what you did back in the day. So I don't know, it's just something we don't grasp. Is right. Multiple wives and multiple grandchildren. Well, we don't grasp it because we don't have money. But that happens in big families that have money all the time. Right. Well, that's true. Right. I mean, Getting money is a serious business. Yeah. And families. But you still have, hopefully, one mother that's not going to... Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not saying... Not like really. <laughs> Sometimes they have five wives, and they've yeah, got yeah, children yeah. from every wife. And that's true, right? I mean, all that's going on today. We're, you know, but we're not doing it. <laughs> we don't have anybody to fight over. <laughs> but money is evil, for sure. I mean, you know, in power. Because that's what yeah. they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, no, think, I think one of And Mama knew about that. Now I, I don't. I've never been comfortable with that deception. Put animal skin on his arms and making him stink like a 
like a, a ready man. Like a royal ranger that hadn't had a shower in a week. They would love it. But but the point was though that he sold his birthright, and that was a covenant thing, yeah. which really indicated it really indicated what he saw was life. Can you imagine what would have happened? That's true. That's true. What if he saw had been Constitution of his mind. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But uh, we've seen things that have happened in, in our lives where this is what's right, but then you see shenanigans going on, and somebody says, Well, I don't care. I know what's right. I know what this is supposed to be right, so we're going to get it done. And instead of doing it in a way that's open and above board, there, there's some shadiness that happens. And that's one of the things that I'm really grateful for with every healing that we had to go through here as the saints. There were a lot of things that were going on that were crazy. But the 
transactions open and, and above board. And you know, Wes is sitting here beside me. I remember when uh, when we were making the transition from where we have been as a movement into what we are now. And Les and I rode out to meet with uh, with our attorney and all the district reps. Well, not all of them, but the ones that were. <laughs> and, and it was all clear. It was all above board. I mean, we we knew that things were wacky on their end. But our attorney, and he was a little bit gruff at that meeting. Well, a little bit. I guess that's understating it. But it was all very clear. This is what's going on. I mean, if, if you want to want to come against this place to try to get the property, you deal with me. You don't come in on a Sunday morning and give them some writ. And and it was really it was it was awkward, but it was clear. And when we made that move, everything was out and about. Every every point of the what had happened was for 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 our standpoint. What God was calling us to do was very clearly said, and on the other side, it couldn't have been. It really wasn't. But um, that's the one part of this story that I thought, as I looked at it, the transaction was done. And, and in retrospect, I can see why God allowed that, the selling thing. Because even though Jacob had a lot of quirks, to say the least, both of those guys were if there was an election, I don't think either of them would have won because Jacob was a deceiver. And God kept working on him to get that out of him. Esau could care less about being in He cared less about kingdom building. He just wanted to be out and about like Jeremiah Johnson, moving through the mountains with his mocking gun. And, you know, you can't build a kingdom like that, you know? So, but those were choices. And that indication that was in Esau bore itself out in that transaction between him and his brother. The willfulness, the, the impulsiveness, the I want what I want, I want it now. That's what he made the transaction in. And, you know, but, but see, then you take it back another step. Well, God knowing that, why did he let Esau be the covenant one? I mean, you can go around and around with that. You know, why, why, why does God do what he does? And, and he allows people, why did God allow the enemy to rebel? Why did God allow uh, Adam and Eve to have to deal with the serpent? Why did he allow that transaction to happen? And then why did God, you know, we could, we could have all kinds of whys and what ifs, but the one thing is, <coughs> you're following what God's purpose is. Like, we're going to bring it back to the first verse. Where Simeon is waiting for the promise. You're going to keep your eye on that promise, regardless of how many fumbles and interceptions there are on the way. We're still going to the goal line. And if, if you can stay focused on that, even look at David's life. How many goofy things happened there? But God loved him because David kept his heart seeking after him. And he wanted that tabernacle. He wanted that eventual place. Of, he wanted God to be worshipped. And, he, you know, 
you know, the, the thing is, too, God gave us a free will. He didn't want to control us. He gave us a free will. That's why it's imperative for us to stay close to him so that we are making the decisions that are um, his decisions, that, you know, that are, are in alignment with, with him and his purpose. And, um, but I, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that Esau sold his birthright, mm -hmm. so it was already a done deal.
200 years, which you said, you know, the intertestamental period, mm -hmm. and here's Simeon still waiting, and you've got Anna still waiting, and, um, but God came through. God came through. Because that's what he said he was going to do. No matter what all happened in those 400 years, there were a lot of wacky things that happened. So. And, and that's the point of, of my lesson, is that, you know, we be faithful to the plan of God, and um, and and He's going to fulfill what His plan is, and we just need to be faithful and obedient in it. So, well, thank you everybody for your input and your discussion. I really appreciate it. I know. I'll work on that. <laughs> well, bless you all and. Uh, we look forward to what Pastor has to share in the morning session. And so we will see you in service. I guess Trisha's teaching next week since she's switched yes. with Monica. Yes. Or Mark or somebody else. Should be Trish.